93.73 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, Sports Bash this hour brought to you by your Delaware Valley Acura dealers. This month's visit your local dealer for great deals on the award-winning Acura lineup. Mike Gill, Hunter Brody, what's up, everybody? Football tonight. Now, what about this Jason Peters story, by the way? Like, Peters got a new deal today. <laughs> he's getting paid to be a left tackle. Now, he's getting paid to be an average left tackle. Actually, he's in the lower half of the league. But he got a nice raise. The Eagles did. They buckled. They gave him the contract. I think they needed to, no? They they, ha- they had no other option. You can't put Matt Pryor over there. They could have brought in Cordy Glenn. Maybe they realized that he wasn't going to get the job done. Jordan Mailata. They might realize he can't get the job done. I mean, it seemed that, but what kind of precedent did you set here by Jason Peters saying, I'll move, but you need to pay me more money. And then they come out with this whole song and dance of, I don't know where this report came from. Yeah, that's the whole thing that I know it shouldn't bother me because at the end of the day, as we kind of stated over the last, winning football is what matters. I'm not begrudging Peters for what he did. I'm just saying the way the Eagles handled it. Like, Peters is well within his rights. Get your money, man. He wants a new money. He goes out there and says, hey, I want to be paid more if you want to move me there. I don't agree with it. It's not the way I would do business, but that's why I probably don't make as much money as uh, Jason Peters. That being said, this all started – when Dillard went down for the season. At that point, everybody assumed Peters would move back to tackle. Well, then a report surfaced suggesting Peters wanted more money to make the switch from right guard back to left tackle. And then Peterson shot down that notion, said, I don't know where this is all coming from. He says, I don't know where these reports are coming from. Jason Peters has done an outstanding job at right guard. He's comfortable at right guard. We have some options at left tackle we're working through over there. So they throw Matt Pryor, who's never played left tackle before in his life. That didn't make a lot of sense. And then all of a sudden, Peters announced, hey, uh, Peterson announced that Peters walked down to my uh, office, knocked on the door, and said, I'm switching back to left tackle. And then Peterson went out and said, I'm thrilled to death. I just wonder what would have happened if this occurred four or five weeks into the season in the middle of a game. Would we even be having this type of conversation? Right. Like if, if Dillard played, got hurt in the game, and in the middle of the game, they said, hey, Jason, you got to go play left tackle. And he said, nope, I got to get paid more money. Well, maybe he plays for the rest of that game, but then afterwards, would we have this conversation again of he needs to be getting paid? To be honest with you, I mean, you mentioned, should they just bring in Glenn? Here's the thing. Did they save money by going down this road compared to signing him and keeping Jason Peters at right guard? Because what was it? It's a $4 million deal guaranteed, and it can, it can be up to $8 million. Dollar deal, right? It's right. now worth up to $8 million, including right. $4 million in guaranteed, and you got a $2 million signing bonus. So the contract that he just signed like a month ago got ripped up. Right. But this isn't that extreme. This isn't so absurd. You know, you're not paying a left tackle an obnoxious amount of money. No, I mean, I think he's now the 22nd highest paid left tackle in the game. So I'm not saying it's a bad deal. They didn't get ripped off. Nothing like that. It just sets what kind of precedent that, hey, you want me to move to a new position? you got to pay me a new contract. But isn't that how the league is anyway now? And the way the Eagles handled it. Well, I don't know where these reports are coming from. And then it's another way that kind of undermines Peterson. The report that came out yesterday, he said that Walsh and um, Grow. Grow were not getting fired. And then all of a sudden, the next day he does get fired. So it's another time where Doug Peterson has come out and said something, and then 
the next day, the front or- the, the organization went out and made him look like a buffoon. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But what you were saying about, you know, now, Lane what Johnson has just like? restructured his deal okay. to make room for Jason Peters' deal. Interesting. And we still have no update on Zach Ertz's deal. All we know is he's not happy right now. Doesn't seem like it's mutual, he says. Yeah, he says, I don't see why I wouldn't sign there, but it doesn't feel like the, the feeling's mutual. Now, do you see a scenario where he's out the door next year? I do see a scenario where he's out the I, door. I agree. I I actually agree. You know, I thought he was going to be a for-lifer kind of guy, always wearing the Eagles uniform, but with Dallas Goddard and thinking about spending that much money for Zach Ertz at his age, maybe they think it'll benefit this team of moving on and using that money elsewhere. Yeah, Ertz said he wants to remain an Eagle for the rest of his career. He's not sure that the feeling's mutual, and then he said he'll play this season, quote, as if it's my last while I lobby for a new contract, essentially. So, you know, I'm interested to see, does Goddard start to get more playing time this year? Like, will you start to see that kind of changeover happen? I really doubt that Zach Ertz is going to be taken off the field. He is signed for two more years. Yeah, but after this season, he'll probably put up that fight like Malcolm did, where there's one year left on the deal, I'm not going to play under this deal, you know? Mm -hmm. No, he said, I don't think it should be hard to get a deal done, but he's not sure if the feeling's mutual. I mean, he knows the way the Eagles do. But the Eagles typically, he's drafted by the Eagles. They typically like to keep their guys. Well, that's what I was talking about before when, you know, Howie Roseman came out and said, we need to get younger and we need to get faster. He's not wrong, but there was this obsession with it to the point where it almost felt like, well, if you're older than this age, you're never playing here right now. Like, it was almost as if the fascination with Eagles fans and everybody around what they should do with this roster was, well, if you are over this age, then you automatically have 0% chance of playing here. And it's, okay, you can get younger, get faster, and go down a different road, but still have some veterans in place. And you just always thought that Zach Ertz would be one of the outliers on the roster that was older while everybody else was getting younger at certain positions. Well, and look, they have Fletcher. He's an older guy. Brandon Graham's an older guy. Um, Lane Johnson, I mean, uh, Jason Peters is certainly an older guy. Jason Kelsey's an older guy. Lane Johnson's not an older guy, but, I mean, he's going to start trending in that direction pretty soon. Deshaun Jackson's an older guy. Alshon Jeffrey's an older guy. You got a bunch of guys who are trending in the wrong direction. Oh, this team is a little older. No doubt about it. It's definitely concerning. When I was thinking about this team yesterday, about this matchup on on Sunday afternoon, there's a lot. There's a lot of players on this roster where the injury concerns scare me. Jason Peters is not going to play 100% of the snaps in a football game. Who is going to be playing left tackle in those limited snaps? Is it going to be a guy that has never played in an NFL game before? Yeah. I would imagine yeah. that's where Jordan Maialata finally gets his shot, or they go to Driscoll. That's scary, though. That's scary. Even if it's five, six, seven, eight snaps, that's seven, eight snaps of Carson Wentz running for his life, potentially, and it only takes one hit. And now you start to respect what Vitae did. Absolutely. No doubt, but you couldn't have matched what he got in Detroit. There's no way. No, you couldn't do that. I mean, that's the that's the business of football is you have a guy, he plays well in the role that he's given, even though you don't love him because, you know, look, Vitae was inconsistent. When he came in off the bench, he did not play well. But typically when he knew he was the starter and was prepared for a game, he did play pretty well. Look, they won the Super Bowl. People forget with Vitae playing tackle the whole way through the playoffs there. He doesn't get the love that Nick Foles gets. No. People think he stinks. But he was the starting left tackle for the playoff run. 
And then all of a sudden, because he performed well in that role, another team valued him, and they paid him so much money that you couldn't keep him in the role that he was in anymore. Well, what about Deshaun Jackson? I talk about the injury history of Jason Peters not going to be playing 100% of the snaps. Deshaun Jackson has been banged up. What happens if he goes down? Now, you would hope that you have enough firepower, Jalen Rager, Ertz, Goddard. I get it, but we saw last year what happens to this offense once he goes down. He can potentially go down again this year. I'm not trying to be a negative guy towards the Eagles because I do think that they are going to win on Sunday. I do think that they're going to put together wins this year. They're not going to be some dumpster fire team, but I, think I do think that there are reasons to be a little concerned with this season based off of important pieces having injury history. Yeah, I think they're a good team. I think good I go team. to the season knowing they're – do I think they're a Super Bowl team? Not yet. But I didn't think the team in 17 was a good team or a Super Bowl team either. I thought they were, look, they were 7-9 and nine the year before. I thought they were a team that might have been able to go 9-7 and seven and surprise us. That team won the Super Bowl. So I go into this year thinking, I know it's a good team. I, I know this team is good. Healthy. What's their ceiling? When healthy. I agree with you that this team could do damage. I just, I can't expect these players to stay healthy. And I'm only basing this off of what I have seen throughout their career. It's not like I'm making it up. I've seen Deshaun Jackson get hurt and not play. I've seen Jason Peters get banged up and can't play. And there's no alternative right now. And that concerns me. This offensive line, it's, it is really scary to think about. I, I think the offensive line is good. The league's offensive line play is horrible. Theirs is one of the betters. But the depth is a problem. Is Lane Johnson going to play on Sunday? I think he will. I hope so. It's a fair question. We'll talk to Adam Kaplan today. We'll get his take on it. Sports Bash Live, football at 4 with Adam Kaplan coming up at 4 o'clock. But on the other side, Jeff Pasquino from thefootballguys.com answers your week one fantasy football questions. If you have a fantasy football question for fantasy football expert Jeff Pasquino, he's back with us for another season. Texted me last night how excited he was to answer your questions and help everybody out out there again. Get your questions in now. Fantasy football questions for Jeff, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. Back for another season helping your fantasy football teams out. If you have a fantasy football question for Jeff Pasquino from thefootballguys.com, send it in right now, 609-403-0973. Hunter is compiling all the listener questions. We will have a segment uh, for Jeff firing off your questions. Fantasy Football with Jeff Pasquino is brought to you by the Piccadilly Inn on Route 206 in Shemong, home of South Jersey's best wings. Which picks does Jeff have this week? Let's get into it as Jeff Pasquino is back for another season of Fantasy Football. Now, I want to start off with this question. Jeff, welcome back. How are you, pal? Uh, great to be back, Mike. Yeah. Always a pleasure. You know, I met Jeff, what, 15, 20 years ago? How long ago was that? <laughs> I think you were on 14 seasons now. It's about 15 years in uh, down Lake City at that Roto Bowl draft. Yeah, we were doing a draft, and uh, there was a guy, John Hansen, who's a football fantasy football guy. He gave me a spot in that draft, and sitting next to me was Jeff Pasquino. We started talking, and I said, yeah, I host a radio show. He says, oh, if you ever need a fantasy guy, I'd love to do it, and he's been with us ever since. Now, I'll ask you this question. So last night we had our draft, all right? I'm in the, the – so Josh Henning, my producer, says, roll call, anybody here? And I say, I'm here. My pick comes up, and it auto-picks for me. Does, oh. the, does the 
Does the commissioner, is it on the commissioner to pause the draft to make sure that that's the guy that I wanted? Like if, if someone auto-picks in the first round, don't you think something's up? I would think so, especially if you did a roll call, yeah. Yeah, see? Is well, the draft tainted? No, no, no. What I'm saying is, is, shouldn't it be on the players to make sure that they are prepared? It's not on auto-pick. Gill should be ready to rock and roll. It's on him that he put himself in such a poor situation. Hmm. Sometimes it's the software. So there you go. <laughs> the software. first round, first round, first round, you got to manage tightly. Yeah. Yep. You, if you're the commissioner, you don't want to taint a draft. All right. Now that I've won that one, here we go. All right. Let's get into uh, this uh, week one. We got uh, tonight Chiefs and Texans Thursday night football. Make sure if you have players in tonight's game, get them active. Jeff, who are a couple of guys that you need to have in your lineup tonight? Well, we all know the big players are Kansas City. You got Mahomes, you got Kelsey, you got Hill, but everybody wants to see how the rookie Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to do in the backfield. He would have been my and pick, course, by the way. And, <laughs> <laughs> of course, we all know how Andy Reid manages his running back, so we got to be careful there. Houston side's a little interesting. David Johnson in the backfield now, that's a sleeper guy who can be a, a running back one this year, probably a third round prospect if you're still drafting. Um, but the one concern uh, right now is we got Brandon Cooks, who's the new wide receiver one with DeAndre Hopkins trade to Arizona. That's how they got Johnson. Cooks is questionable tonight, so you may be looking at Will Fuller and Randall Cobb as your starting wideouts tonight for Houston. Should be a lot of points. Should be an entertaining game. All right, let's get to some quarterback questions for Jeff Pasquino from thefootballguys.com. Don't forget, text your questions in, 609-403-0973. Uh, I want to start off with how about Matt Ryan taking on Seattle. There's some interesting uh, expectations for Atlanta. They've got Ridley now in year number two. they got Julio Jones, a lot of weapons for Ryan. Uh, but, you know, he's I don't want to say declining or getting older, but he's starting to get up there a bit. Is he still on your fantasy radar week one? He is, but the one thing I like about Atlanta is that their defense is terrible. Now, that usually means the offense is going to throw a lot, score a lot of points. So that's your favorite, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan rarely gets hurt. So as long as they protect him, he should be putting up a lot of fancy points and be a solid quarterback one this year. Got to ask you about Brady. New spot. He's down in uh, Tampa. Expectations are huge, but he's at the Dome, although there won't be anybody in there. Uh, Brady this week against the Saints. I like Brady this uh, this weekend this year. I think that he in the late buy helps him with week thirteen. You can make a strong argument that this is his best receiving course in his entire career. So we got two strong wide receivers, three solid tight ends, uh, plenty of talent in the backfield that they're going to rotate through. I like Brady this year. He could have a very solid year. How about the guy who's replacing Brady in New England, Cam Newton? He's taking on the Dolphins. Is he a fantasy play? I think he's more of a quarterback, too. I'd like him to run the ball a little bit and, and move the ball himself, but the word is he's targeting Edelman a lot. Um, they do have some sleepers at wide receiver and tight end, but I really need to see how that offense is gelling. New England is probably going to play a lot of defense, low-scoring games. Uh, Kyler Murray seems like a lot of people want Murray. He's got a big weapon now. He does, he does, and they, they run a big running-gun kind of offense out there, and he's a scrambler, so... Colin Murray and uh, Josh Allen and Buffalo, both those guys are uh, young prospects that can add a lot of fancy points because they can run. Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, a lot of people would be picking him as one of their top quarterbacks. Where's he falling on your list? In the history, he's a quarterback one. In recent history, he's a quarterback two. Green Bay is moving away from throwing the ball. They did not get him a wide receiver two. Defenses are going to shut down Devontae Adams as best they can and force Green Bay to run, which is what they want to do anyway. In fact, there's a solid sleeper running back for Green Bay, second string. 
Uh, let's get uh, one more on the quarterbacks. We'll move to the running backs. Josh Allen now has a big weapon. What does that do for him as a fantasy quarterback? He's got a big arm now. Stephen Diggs, can, Stephon Diggs can go run and get it. I think they've got good targets out there. You got Josh Brown; he can go deep too. Uh, they got a good set of pair of running backs, but Allen can run as well. I think Josh Allen is a is a leader quarterback. Quarterbacks are deep to about twenty ish this year, but Josh Allen is a top ten quarterback this year. All right, uh, Jeff Pasquino, FootballGuys.com. If you have a question for Jeff, six zero nine four zero three zero nine seven three. Let's go over to the running backs here. Uh, I was laughing because Dalvin Cook is the guy that I got in the auto pick uh, spot there. What are you seeing for Cook this year? You know, coming back from that injury uh, now that he's a full season back. That's not a bad pick either. I think uh, with Cook being healthy, uh, you want to get Alexander Madison as his backup because he's one of the top handcuffs and very good talent behind him. Minnesota's another team that wants to run the ball a lot. Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins is not throwing much. They lost Diggs, so I think that Dalvin Cook is a top. Six top seven candidate for a running back. Solid running back one. So much hype for Josh Jacobs. Will he live up to it in week one? I think so. Um, maybe not week one. I, mean, I think week one's a little, always a little iffy because teams fill out and they have no preseason games. But Josh Jacobs, and I like the Raiders entirely. I think they're one of the dark horses in the AFC. They could make a playoff push. Who's but, re- uh, who is repl- who's replacing Gurley in L.A.? Who should be in your lineup? Oh, I think you got Cam Akers. Cam Akers is your guy uh, in L.A. He's gonna—he's a solid running back too. There's a, like, a lot of good rookies that could take over in backfields and lead, but there's no one behind Akers. He's the guy. Uh, what about in Cleveland? Which back should be in your lineup, Chubb or Hunt? I think Chubb. Uh, a lot of people like Hunt. I think they're going to try and get them both carries. Hunt is more of a PPR guy, but I think Chubb is more of a running back one workhorse. You like Gurley now in Atlanta? Uh, until he breaks down, which could happen by week two. <laughs> Jeff Pasquino, one more running back question before we go over to the wideouts. And what's going on in San Francisco? What's the running back situation there? Mostert is your guy. He's your touchdown guy. I think they're going to try working Coleman and a few others, but Mostert is the number one on the depth chart, and he's going to get most of your fantasy value solid running back, too. All right, over to the wideouts. Allen Robinson, he's got poor quarterback play, but does that make you skeptical of him? It does. I think the the weather's going to be tough in Chicago. Uh, I think the, the NFC North is going to be low scoring generally. Uh, Allen Robinson's going to put up respectable numbers, but I think he's going to be a wide receiver one candidate that's going to disappoint into the wide receiver two category, but he's not going to find the end zone much. All right. Odell Beckham. Think People were hoping for big things from him. Where is he on the fantasy spectrum now? He's moved down the pegging order too. I, I'm I'm shying all the Browns. I just don't trust Cleveland. I think Odell Beckham's still their top target, but I think he's more of a, a wide receiver too. What does the move to Buffalo mean for Diggs? Diggs is a great guy in best ball. I think he can go get the ball deep. Uh, I think he can put up another thousand yard season. But I think Buffalo's going to want to run the ball a little bit more. I would be much more comfortable getting Diggs as a wide receiver three or a lower end wide receiver two. D.K. Metcalf, uh, he jumped on the scene late last year. Is he going to have a full season now? I think he is, and I think that both him and Lockett are going to be solid wide receiver twos upside each week. All right, one more for Jeff before we get the listener questions in. 609-403-0973. This is going to be kind of an all-encompassing question. What do you make of the first-round wide receivers this year, those guys that were all drafted in the NFL draft this year? I think C.D. Lamb is probably a top guy. He's, yeah, I've heard he's doing fantastic in Dallas. 
Uh, still laments that the Eagles didn't move up on that, but we talked about that on our day. Jerry Judy is a nice guy. Ruggs is a good guy, too, out in, in Vegas. I think we've got some good talent. And I think we're going to see a lot of young players across the league come out and perform. Everybody's saying that they're not going to be able to adapt, but I think the lack of the noise is going to help them. I also think that the lack of preseason helps them because that's kind of the way college goes. All right, let's get to some texters' questions. Bob wants to – he's got a, a, a scenario here with Dak Prescott versus the Rams or Big Ben versus the Giants. I think I like Big Ben versus the Giants. I also like having that, that hammer on a Monday night game. I, I think Big Ben, if he comes back, got throw the ball around. I think he's, he's the guy I'd go. Keenan Allen or Cooper Cup? Close one. I think uh, I like Keenan Allen this week. I think he's he's the wide receiver one for that offense. He's definitely the guy I want to get out there. Aaron Rodgers versus the Vikings or Kyler Murray versus the 49ers? Kyler Murray for sure. I think he's got a lot more upside. Than, like I said, Green Bay wants to run the ball. Out of these three, he only has a spot for one. Sutton, Ruggs, or Justin Jefferson? Uh, Jefferson is a solid guy long-term, so is Sutton, but I think Ruggs is a true wide receiver one. How about McLaurin or Ruggs? McLaurin in the PPR, Ruggs in the touchdown league. Okay, this texter needs two for his PPR. Melvin Gordon, Edelman, and McLaurin. Edelman and McLaurin. Gordon's got a little bit of question marks, and Philip Lindsay, they still want to work in. All right, and Joey D needs one wide receiver and one flex guy out of these four. Mostert, Mark Ingram, Jarvis Landry, and Deshaun Jackson. I like DJX as a comeback player of the year this year, and he loves to beat up Washington. So there's your wide receiver. Uh, Jeff flex, I get, go ahead. I go Mostert with my flex. All right, com. Don't forget, set your lineups, get them in tonight. Before we let Jeff go, Jeff, who are some sleepers and under-the-radar guys you're playing this week? Well, I'm going to throw out some rookies that I'm keeping an eye on. I think they have a lot of upside. Zach Moss. In Buffalo, A.J. Dillon in Green Bay. I want to see how they work him in. I think he's going to be the star by the end of the year. James Robinson's going to lead the backfield in Jacksonville. That doesn't sound fancy, but, hey, starting running backs mean a lot. And I also want to see uh, C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy do at wide receiver. And the one guy that is uh, – the two guys I'm watching are LaVisha Chenault for Jacksonville, tough one to say, and Brian Edwards for Las Vegas. Could be on your waiver wire. Could be wide receiver two candidates come week two to pick up. All right, keep your uh, eyes on all the uh, picks. And, of course, uh, Jeff Pasquino will be back with Week 2 next week as we do the fantasy segment with Jeff Pasquino each Thursday here for uh, the 2020 season. Let's hope we get a full season in. Jeff Pasquino, footballguys.com. Thank you, Jeff. Good luck to you. Thank you, guys. Good luck and enjoy the games. All right, as always, the fantasy picks with Jeff Pasquino. It's brought to you by the Piccalilli Inn. Be sure to call the pick for your game day favorites like their award-winning wings, ears, and tails. Check them out online at piccalilli.com. Love those wings at the Piccalilli, man. That place is fantastic. All the way out there on 206. It's worth the drive, and we're happy to have them as part of this year's Piccalilli Fantasy Picks with Jeff Pasquino. So he agreed with me. Tainted draft. Well, he did say that Dalvin Cook wasn't a bad option. He did. So I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with him. Maybe. Hey, coming up, we've got headlines. Uh, so many things happening. we got baseball, hockey, basketball. The NFL season starts tonight. A lot of Eagles stuff with Adam Kaplan coming up. JR's picks. we got JR this year doing picks for us on Thursday. Looking forward to making some. I made some money last night. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. How much? You know. 
you know. By the way, that one uh, ad that you got going for your DraftKings? Yeah. I hit that one. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to hit it. Oh, well, That's the easiest money of all time. That's not true. You don't know. We could see some sort of epic game. No fans. Well, limited yeah. fans. Houston wins by 102. Yeah. I already put that bet in. That would be depressing. That was the easiest money I've ever made. Imagine I was that. like, wait a second. I could put $50 down. I mean, yeah. win like, what, 95 bucks or something like that. Use code 973. There you go. Is that your code? Of course. Should have used it last night. No, I'm, I was already signed up. <laughs> yeah, I got it on that one. You know, I use the uh, BetMGM app. I'm loving that thing, man. Holy moly! I we're, use them all, but we're back. That one's we're back. That one had some good odds last we night. We went four, Those or five months, nothing, and here we go, baby football. I got the juice going. All right, headlines on the other side. Let's see what they are. Wake up weekday mornings from six to ten with Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Subin on ninety-seven. 97- on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Adam Kaplan has football at four today. News on Zach Ertz, not too happy with the Eagles. News on Jason Peters, his new contract. News on Lane Johnson, not only his new contract, but will he play on Sunday? All that and more. Football at four, less than a half hour from now. Football is here. Uh, I can say that, and it actually means something legit because football is here. It's unbelievable. To kick off football's 101st season, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all users a no-brainer to start the season. This is a no-brainer. Oh, it is a no-brainer. I already made the bet. It's incredible. Have you ever heard of a football team losing by 100 points? Well, for week one, DraftKings is ensuring that even if Kansas City was to lose in in historic fashion, you would still cash a bet. DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Kansas City plus 101. They are also giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all users who enter their free football survivor pools. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 973 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLING. I think we do need to start in the NBA, although I am just in another headspace right now when it comes to football. It's crazy how the transition went. Yesterday it was, yeah, I'm feeling it, but this morning it's, yeah, baby, crying in the shower. Crying in the shower. Crying in the shower. You're very emotional with these games. Is it a bad thing? No, it just, you know. It's just how I am. I can't change it. But let's start with basketball because last night you had two games. Yep. I want to get a little deeper in into that Toronto-Boston series, but let's start with the Nuggets because you picked the Nuggets to go on and, and win. You wanted them to be your sleeper pick, and it looks like they're struggling against the Clippers. What did you see last night with that Clippers game? A tired team. Tired. A tired Nuggets team. They barely could score. And it's not because they don't have guys that can score. I mean, Murray can shoot it. You know, there used to be that conversation, would you rather Murray and Jokic or Simmons and Embiid? Murray can shoot, man. I know. He's really developed. He really has developed. Porter was awesome in the first half. He kind of slowed down. Then he kind of voiced that he was unhappy with his role in the offense. I'm kind of getting to the point, though, where, and, and we've touched on this before, but I just don't know how you can, in today's era, when the Houston Rockets have Robert Covington as their five and they're jacking up 53s a game, 73s a game, 93s a game, how can you really dump it down low in the low post and score two-pointers? I just don't know if someone like Joel Embiid is going to work. I know his talent is unbelievable, but in today's game, how can you trade twos for threes? It's hard to do. It's, it concerns Especially me. Especially when your second, Gary, your second guy doesn't shoot all that well. Right. Ben Simmons 
his game, if he has the proper roster constructed around him, you can survive with Ben Simmons if you have a bunch of shooters surrounding him. So I can see Ben Simmons working in a league where it's all three-pointers. I don't know if Joel Embiid is going to work, and that's not a knock on him. I understand how great he is. It's the style of the game that hurts him, you know? Yeah, the three-point, you know, and that's why when people say get your butt down on the block, he's not he's not the unique player that he is if he's just the guy in the block. I wonder if he the just new coach. A, a, an old-school guy. Right. I wonder if the new coach almost pushes him away from the low post more than he has been under Brett Brown. Well, the new coach is going to be a whole other can of worms. I mean, how is that going to change the dynamic of what the offense looks like? Oh, it's going to change. No doubt. By the way, defensively, they're going to be a big difference, too. Well, they need to be. They need to change up that philosophy. By the way, here's a headline for you. The replay and the amount of stops in these games is outrageous. What about what Van Gundy said last night? That these guys can play more minutes because they're getting two-and-a-half-minute breaks every five minutes. Kyle Lowry looked defeated, though. But I, w- I want to get to your question real quick on Jokic and Murray. What, what would your answer be? Ben Simmons and Embiid or Jokic and Murray? It's getting harder, man. I think Jokic has more of an outside game that would help the fifth, help a five like Jokic play in this league. Would you agree? Like, I think his perimeter play might be a little stronger than Joel Embiid. I think he's a smarter bet. He's a more savvy guy than Embiid is. I like, can agree you know, with that. You can tell that he's played a lot of basketball, and Joel is still very raw with the game. It doesn't mean he's not savvy. He has his own savviness, but I think it's more raw. Jokic is a very savvy guy. I think he, he makes can his handle. Mistakes. I mean, no, oh, no doubt. I think he can just handle the stretching of the court more than Embiid. You know, Embiid gets shoot happy and, and things of that nature. I think Embiid's a smarter basketball player out by the perimeter. It's tough. I'm so much of a, of, of a believer in Ben growing that I think just Ben gets me more excited than Jamal Murray does. Even though I like Murray, I just, I really think Ben Simmons, when he gets into that 28-29 range, is going to be such a force. Yeah, Murray, the one thing that intrigues you about him is he can shoot it. I mean, he's the problem with him is, yes, he can shoot it, but he's not... Like, Ben is an all-star player because of his defense, and he can score. He's not a great scorer, but Murray isn't on that level yet where he's, like, you know, an all-star. But Murray, I say he can shoot it. He's only 34% from three. So I think that's where I'm a little hesitant with Murray. Is he's not in that 38 to 40 range yet shooting the three. He needs to get a little bit better. If he once he gets better at shooting the three, he's only at 18 in points a game too. That's why I'm like, eh, it's getting harder because Jokic, Jokic, I think is just, I think he might be more polished than Embiid is, but I think I like Simmons better than Murray. Yeah, I, lo- I love Simmons, and I think that he's going to be something special. But let's move on to that double overtime. Porter's game. the guy on that team. That's, I mean, the Sixers had a shot to draft him. They. They would have got killed if they drafted him because he missed the whole year. Right. He got hurt, missed the year, and people would have been going crazy. But you could have afforded for him to miss the year. I agree. Considering you took Zaire Smith and he missed the year, too. I agree. I definitely agree. All right, that well, Boston Celtics took, game. Uh, Bridges and then traded. Uh, traded him, yeah. But you got Zaire Smith at the end of the day. Jalen Brown was the one that outscored Tatum, not Kemba Walker. It was Jalen yeah, Brown yesterday. Kemba had a horrible, horrible game. Horrible game. Absolutely horrible. 
Jalen Brown, 31 points. Marcus Smart, triple-double. He, I love that defense. I love the effort. I love the style of play, the dog attitude with Marcus Smart. But what an impressive game out of the Raptors to squeeze that one out. Kyle Lowry late in the game was phenomenal. You know, Kyle Lowry... I can't stand him when it comes to the flopping and all that, but he definitely has elevated his game in, well, in moments. Right. Remember a couple of years ago when it was him and, and um, DeRozan, DeRozan, people were like, ah, you know what's going to happen. And then I argued last year that having Kawhi took the pressure off of him. Big time. And I think he really learned from that run last year. And I was like, dude, I don't look at Lowry as this guy that's going to fail all the time. Because I thought having Kawhi, he, he didn't have to be the number one guy anymore. And I think he's really grown from that experience. I would have to agree. Now, I I wonder in a game seven if they need a big shot. The problem for them is... He hit one yesterday. He did. But the problem for them is they have to work so hard to get a half-court bucket. They just don't have their guy. And what's his name? Um, Siakam, he did not show up last night. He has been struggling. He's absolutely been struggling. I think you're seeing him, you know, experience a different level. Things are a lot easier when you have a Kawhi Leonard because all the attention is on Kawhi. That allows you to have some space defensively, yeah. and it's not the same anymore. Speaking of uh, the NBA, the TV ratings are on the rise. This Lakers-Rockets series, it's the biggest TV ratings of the playoffs. Game three on Tuesday night had an average of 4.6 million viewers. It was the second most watched game since the league restarted at the end of July. The only other one that was behind was Lakers-Rockets game two. The game drew the largest largest audience of the night among adults 18 to 49, men 18 to 49. I mean, so all this talk about the NBA ratings and people aren't going to watch because of all the stuff that's going on was ridiculous. I well, mean, we knew really, it was going to be ridiculous. Well, people wanted to spin the narrative the way it made them feel good that well, people aren't going to watch if you're doing all this stuff. No, people weren't watching because it was on in the middle of the afternoon. Right. One o'clock in the afternoon is tough to watch when you're at work. And that's what made the ratings look like they were going down. But now that the games are in prime time every night, you're getting those big numbers again. Speaking of big numbers, football's on tonight. Yeah. That's going to get some big numbers. How about this? Clowney says that Vrabel was a key to picking the Titans. He looked at Mike Vrabel and said, I'm Doesn't going surprise there. surprise me. Although he was in Seattle with um, Carroll. I've been on the, the record when it comes to Mike Vrabel. There's something to be said about, you know, you could be a, a hard-ass like Joe Judge. You could be a player's coach like, like Doug Peterson. But there's something unique about the way Mike Vrabel puts his hand in the dirt. Guys love that. You know, he'll take reps in practice. So you like Joe Judge? Well, he's a little extreme. I mean, today we're hearing reports that he got so fired up, he called everybody in, and he restarted practice. That's a little different than the hands <laughs> in the dirt guy. This is the old school guy. This is this is nonsense to he me. He comes to, to practice with his ankles taped. Who? Both of them. Yeah, but Joe Judge is a different version. Joe Judge is to the extreme, old-school kind of guy. Mike Vrabel is a, I'm still a player mentality. There's two different things. And, you know, one you respect more than the other. Joe Judge, look, if he was here, I don't know how it would be perceived. Oh, people would love him here. He's he, Aaron Rowan. No, come on, though. I wouldn't love it, would yeah, you? You're not the demographic that loves that kind of stuff. 
You're the guy that the but old guy says, weak. oh, you're, you've turned into so you're weak. But not really, though, because you're watching Doug Peterson. All of the coaches in this league now that succeed, they have the style of the coach that I'm looking for. So I'm only basing this off of watching team success and, and watching them be successful with it. I'm not just making it up out of nowhere. Oh, I didn't say that. I'm I know you're saying, not, but I'm just, in that's general. That's the guy that... Eagle fan would love. Well, what's, isn't that kind of what Chip Kelly was? Chip Kelly was a dictator. Yeah, but he different. They liked him, by the way, until they didn't. Right? I, I mean, thought it was way over the top, the Chip Kelly, right from the jump. You know? I thought it was too aggressive and, and too not what the NFL is about. Well, I mean, but people were on board and they got this new inventive coach. And, you know, I don't think they like, well, you know. And then as soon as he the thing got bad, he was not tough enough, and he wasn't this. You know, when he came out and said, hey, we're from Philly, and we fight. People ate that up. I would not be okay with Joe Judge. If here. Joe Judge comes out and wins, my buddy's a Giant fan, loves him. Loves him. Loves him? Yeah. I just don't know how People long-term like it works. Coach. People like the coach to have order. Like it's like set the tone, set the culture. That's what people perceive the coach to be. But I think that so we talk about why do hockey coaches, why do they get spun Nobody around? Nobody knows in what hockey coaches do. No, that's not true. They do. I know what no, they no, do. No, most I'm saying most common fans don't really have the insight because most people didn't play hockey, right? So they don't really know what the hockey coach does. You may have played basketball in fifth grade, so you at least know that the coach does whatever. So you have that to go back to. Not saying that that makes it right or wrong. Most people never played any kind of hockey. So they really don't know what the hockey coach impact or what he does. Well, that's fair. I just want to bring it up in comparison to the toughness. You talk about Laviolette and Elaine Vigneault and, and these guys. I love Laviolette. Yeah, but he's that fiery guy, that jam guy. And there's a reason why all of these guys get cycled around the league so often well, because you know that, that message guy... runs dry. So with Joe Judge, it's well, like you, you know... can show the passion, but that message will run dry pretty quick. Because, and you know what the, the retort to that is from the, the, the old schoolers is the players are soft. They can't handle it anymore. Well, you got to you got to you know what? I'm not disagreeing with that statement because I do think the players are softer, but as a coach, you need to learn to adapt. You know, I I was just talking to the the Ontario Hockey League, which is a junior hockey league out there, the Windsor Spitfires coach, and he was talking about how, you know, he played in the NHL when it was the punching in the face old school hockey, and now he's a coach in a league where you deal with 18, 19-year-old kids, which is a different style. And he was talking about how you need to adapt with the times or you're going to lose your entire locker room. You're going to lose these players. you got to talk to them. You got you can't just scratch someone and not talk to them for 10 days like you used to. You, you need to explain. This is why. This is what you need to do. And the times have changed. So if you want to be a good coach, you have to adapt with the times or you're screwed. I'm not questioning that. My point was I think Eagles fans would like Joe Judge. The way he's doing things, I think he would be embraced by the Eagle fans. I think maybe in the beginning, but I think as you continue to watch him and see how it played out, you you might quickly be turned off of, hold on a second, dude, you're getting way too far ahead of yourself. We'll see, though. The thing is with the Giants is what they had wasn't working. Again, so taking this, you got to try it. Perfect example. Eagle fans love Buddy Ryan. 
They don't like Andy Reid. Buddy Ryan was a buffoon, and Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NFL. Yet Eagle fans don't appreciate or accept him. They love Buddy Ryan. It's ridiculous. It's the way it is. By the way, now we started this with Vrabel. Vrabel coached him in Houston. He was the D coordinator. Right? Yeah, so he was involved with him in the in the past as well. But we'll see what Joe Judge becomes. I just think the guy's an absolute crazy person, and we'll see how it works out. You know, like Adam Gase, for example. He's a tougher guy. He's a guy that is all strict and demands all kinds of, you know, he demands culture the way he wants it to be. He stinks. I just don't know if that's the way to relate to guys anymore. Hey, right look, or wrong. Everybody has a different way that they do it. Gase somehow won seven games last year. Right? By the way, Gase was once the Eagles' top choice. I remember that. You remember? It was him. Ben McAdoo was that's in right. the mix as well. And they ended up with Doug Peterson. And Peterson's still here. And those guys, well, Gase has now on to his second job. I don't know what McAdoo's doing. I thought he went back to somebody. Last year he wasn't in the league, I don't think. Did you like that mustache? McAdoo? Yeah. Nah, it was bad. That was a bad mustache. Yeah. But see, if he was winning, I think it would be a good mustache. Nah. It's just related. They won the one year. It's just related to... I think McAdoo's the last time they've been in the playoffs. Wow, really? I think so. The year that the, the boat. They were all on the boat. The boat. <laughs> the boat. That's right. But he wasn't, like, really winning. I mean, nah, if he had sustained had success. A weak yeah. It wasn't, like, a unique one or standout-ish. It was just, like... It screams 70s pharmacy, 80s pharmacy. <laughs> I love that look. If I look at all my dad's old pictures, you know that standard 80s mustache where you worked at the pharmacy with the high white socks? It's a standard look back in the 80s. Yeah, McAdoo had it. Oh, yeah, he did. How about hockey last night? You watch any hockey? I I'm out on the hockey. You're out? Yeah. Tampa Bay is going to win the Stanley Cup. It's the same situation that happened with Virginia. Team out or doesn't or doesn't score. You're going to see a Tampa Bay Vegas final. The Islanders were this close to winning that game. Well, putting it into overtime, but with about eight seconds or so, they lost the game. Tampa yeah. Bay. Whew, they look good. They do, and it's not a couple surprising. bad injuries though. Not surprising. Would you be intrigued with the Vegas Tampa Bay final? Probably not. You wouldn't watch any. You don't think? No. I'm going to demand it, actually. So, you really don't have a say. I mean, last night you had that game up against the Celtic game. Yeah. No shot? Not even a change on commercial guy? Not really. You're not going to watch any Stanley Cup hockey. There's a little bit inside of me that's just destroyed. Nothing? Well, I got, I got the NBA playoffs. Now, on Thursday nights, I got football. Sunday nights I got football. Monday nights I got football. All right, hear me out. What if you had one of those garbage? I don't know the Thursday night schedule off the top of my head. But what if you had one of those really bad games where it's Jags versus, you know, just another bad team in the league on Thursday? I know. Yet there's a Stanley Cup game. I know the game, game you're talking game. about. I get the Tennessee-Jacksonville game every year. Right, right. Would you go that over a Stanley Cup final game? Yeah. No. No. Mm-hmm. What if the score in the second quarter is 28-3? to At some point, that game's going to run dry. I'll probably go to the NBA game. Right? Or Phil's. You're going Phil's over the Stanley Cup Finals? Yeah. Huh. Why wouldn't I? I got nothing invested in the Stanley Cup Finals. But it's good theater. You're talking about the guys going for the Cup. 
The guys who dreamed in their in their driveway and kissing the cup. Mwah! Mwah! Screaming in their driveway at four years old and they get to live out their dream. Sorry. I got no attachment to the Vegas Golden Knights, nor do I have any attachment to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Although I like Tampa Bay. They're like my next team after the Fly Guys. Well, they're going to pull that card that Virginia did. That Virginia won the NCAA tournament after losing in the first yep. round to the 16 seed. You had Tampa Bay lose in epic fashion last year, and they're about to win the cup. Good for them. If the Flyers were playing, I'd be watching. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Not against Thursday Night Football, but no. I'm just kidding. I don't <laughs> think you are. No, I told you, the, the Islander game, Tampa is 3 o'clock on Sunday. That would have been a problem. You're a joke. You would have had Eagles third quarter up against Flyers puck drop. Flyers puck drop, baby. Three o'clock. All right, coming up, uh, Adam Kaplan, football at four.